now, ladies and gentlemen, here's Matt Mosley. It's Matt Mosley, the Matt Mosley Show. And uh, Chris Blake, our next guest, used to hang out with me. Galloway and Company, our show for years, 103.3. Then it became uh, the afternoon show, Mosley and Callishaw. Chris, uh, hope all is well. I mean, as you're getting ready for these Rangers broadcasts, you're a news hound at KRLD. I, I knew you before you launched into that whole world. So it's fun to see you doing all that. How are you doing, sir? How are you? Well, doing... Uh, Doing fine, and um, it is uh, it is fun to be seeing headlines like, uh, you know, the Ra- Rangers playoff picture, where the AL West and overall seating stands. How does the schedule shape up the rest of the year? I mean, Chris, we were out in the wilderness for like seven years, weren't we? I mean, this is first time in your lifetime you've really seen the Astros and the Rangers uh, really good at the same time, there might have been like a year or two where that was the case back in eh, 14, 15, somewhere around there. But the, where they're both now kind of throwing haymakers at each other, um, this is a lot of fun. I mean, it, this is something we could get used to. Well, yeah, I mean, you referenced I'm about 47 years younger than you while you in introducing me. So you know, I really <laughs> haven't seen um, these uh, it seems to be good at the same time, like you said, except maybe those final couple of years uh, at the end of the Rangers window, the end of the 2010s, uh, while the Astros were coming up from those few hundred lost seasons in a row. So this has been a lot of fun, not just on the field, but I even think off the field, you know, going into the trade deadline, uh, you know, kind of responding to each other's moves. The Rangers get, they split the Mets aces. One gets Scherzer, one gets Verlander. Um, the Rangers, I think probably the Rangers made a few more moves at the deadline. I think out of necessity, the Astros, you know, got Altuve and Alvarez back just before the deadline, which, you know, you're not going to find trade partners out there that can upgrade you more than those guys coming back. Um, and, you know, I think that series a couple of weeks ago where the benches cleared, no punches were thrown, but I think that just added a little more spice to this rivalry with, you know, Marcus Simeon staring down Framber Valdez and Martin Maldonado getting in his face when he touched home plate um, after the Garcia grand slam, you know, there's some juice to this rivalry. I think for the first time in a long time. Isn't that wild how the Rangers just started winning like seven straight games after they did those deals, like what it can actually do to a team psyche we don't really think of momentum as being a big deal in baseball, but sometimes moves like that can just influence a clubhouse. And Chris, the, I mean, the pitching immediately after that just got better. And the run production, all of it. Um, and they didn't even have to be great, right? Scherzer uh, went out there and gave up three runs in the first inning. He's a little shaky, which reminded me of Cliff Lee when he first got the Rangers. I think he was shaky in his first outing. But it, it did it seemed like it gave the whole team um, and everybody a lift. Is that kind of what you sensed from being around the team and doing a lot of these pregame and post games for that Rangers radio network? Yeah, I mean, I think momentum in baseball and you know, I've we've talked about this on the pre and post game shows and Eric Nadell is 
not a big fan of uh, the idea of momentum over the course of a week, but within a game, I think there is such thing as momentum. And I think that can happen with a big hit or a pitcher gets out of a jam and you limit the other team, but call it what you want. Even if it's not momentum, I think just the feeling that you have a general manager and an owner, frankly, because I think it's a lot more about the owner being willing to uh, take on some of the salary than it is about maybe the general manager. Um, Cause I think any general manager wants to be aggressive. Right. Um, but knowing that you have the backing from the front office at whatever level uh, that filters down into the locker room. And then, you know, you get a guy like Max Scherzer in the clubhouse that adds an element of confidence too, and not just because of how good he is, but because of where he's been and that he's done it before, you know, he started two games for the nationals in the world series when they won it a few years ago. Um, aside from that experience, he's made a lot of deep playoff runs with a lot of good tigers teams, good nationals teams. So, you know, I just think having that presence there makes a big difference. And you're right. It did have similarities to Cliff Lee's first outing with the Rangers, but I think that was also a good microcosm of what a veteran ace can do for a team. You know, just because he gave up a few seeing eye singles in the first inning that led to a few runs. I mean, there were a couple walks mixed in there, which are self-inflicted, but you know, it also kind of, I think can show other guys that, Hey, just because you give up a couple of runs in the first inning doesn't mean it needs to impact your entire start. You've still got X number of pitches left in your arm that day uh, to go as deep as you can and keep your team in it and give them a chance to win. And that's all they can ask of any of these starters. What, what is Bruce Bochy? What's it like being around him when you get to visit with him before a game or after a game or whatever, I mean, he he just kind of has a little John Wayne to him. I like how he sounds. Doesn't get too high. Doesn't seem to get too low. But he's given this organization a lot of credibility. I mean, just immediately when he walked in, what are your impressions of, of, of Boach, as everybody calls him, Bruce Bochy? What's that been? And, like, how big a role has he played in this, uh, in this unbelievable uh, uh, turnaround this season? I just think he there's a sense of calm confidence that he brings to the clubhouse and to the dugout. You have a guy who's won three World Series, one of them against the Rangers, and I think there's a certain level of trust that comes with that, knowing that the decisions he makes, whether it be with the lineup or – with an in-game managerial decision that he's making the decision that's going to be best for the club. And I think more times than not this year, we've seen that to be the case. I think he's been masterful with the position players and the starting lineup. Uh, I think he's put guys in position to succeed time and time again. Um, and he's also not afraid to make a change early in a game. You know, there's been plenty of, nights where he's pinch hit for, you know, a, a Josh Smith or an Ezekiel Duran with, you know, say Travis Jankowski, or maybe Jonah Heim was getting a night off and he hasn't hesitated to 
pinch hit in situations early in the game, fifth, sixth inning, where you might think, oh man, maybe you might want to save that pinch hitter for, you know, an eighth, ninth inning at bat. But, you know, he just has a feel for when in the game uh, that big hit might be able to come and makes the moves accordingly. Now, the bullpen, I think that's been another issue for him from a manager standpoint, especially before the trade deadline. Now you look at the bullpen, I think it's pretty deep with the moves they've made, but uh, you know, he, it was rough for a while at the beginning of the season because it just seemed like no matter what lever he pulled, uh, there was a lot of nights where it just didn't work. And I don't put that on him. You know, you can just put guys in position and hope they execute for a while. That wasn't happening, but now I think they've got the pieces there uh, for him to be able to manage with a little more strategy late in games. Uh, Chris Blake joining us on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central Texas, does Rangers pre and post KRLD, also a proud TCU graduate, especially last year as they played for a national title. Didn't go that well, but still basking in the glory of that uh, of that season. Uh, this game's going to be on Apple TV tonight, Chris. I mean, I, I don't know how much uh, uh, Apple TV – you, you've taken in baseball-wise on a Friday night. Pac-12 tried to do an Apple TV deal, and it, it, things kind of imploded. <laughs> but um, you got Ted Lasso. I'm watching a show on Apple TV right now called Bad Sisters. You might want to check that out. It's kind of fun. Okay. Oh, sounds kind of like raunchy or something. It's not. It's very well done. Uh, <laughs> British you type. to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds, it just, every time I say that, I'm like, that's kind of weird. App, have you watched a Friday night Apple TV broadcast. Like, I can't say that I've stopped down, even though I subscribe. Uh, and what should I expect from that broadcast? I mean, you're, you know, I like our local broadcasters, but tonight I might, uh, I might have to check out the Apple TV folks. If I'm being completely honest with you, I have caught uh, a couple innings here and there on a Friday mm-hmm. night of an Apple TV mm-hmm. game, but I have not sat down and watched a full broadcast uh, of a whole game on that service. The Rangers were on, I think it was Peacock has the Sunday afternoon package. Uh. Um, they did have one game there earlier this season. I thought it was a good product, um, you know, but it's definitely a challenge to uh, no, Rangers fans. We know have problems already locally finding the games on television, but you know, I think across the league, uh, you know, it's it's a hard ask to ask fans to subscribe to this many different services to see their games instead of keeping them all central. So, you know, there's the Apple TV game, there's the Peacock game every week. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, that's a lot of different places. And But we're seeing that around sports. You mentioned the Pac-12 deal that was for not, but, you know, Notre Dame, some of their game, football games are only on Peacock. You know, like some of these things are getting harder to find. Yeah, um, you're right. Uh, they're they're kind of ba- like Baylor played a basketball game on Peacock uh, against Gonzaga. I subscribed to Peacock, and I I still am subscribed to Peacock. And I'm same with Paramount. I was watching like some Yellowstone or something. But where they get you, you never like break up with them, right? You never. Yep. You're like I might want to watch that some night. I might want to look over there and see what's happening on Paramount Plus or whatever that is. And you never, I mean, that's the thing. I guess people do break up, they, but they want people like me 
who just kind of don't ever get around to ever severing the relationship with some of these yeah, streaming I, places. Yeah, we were. My wife and I were going through uh, subscriptions one time, and I was like, "Man, there's a lot of stuff I." don't ever even look at that I'm spending money on every month. And one of them was uh, Peacock. And I think it was like $5 a month. I, whatever it is, I have, I clearly am still watching ads if I were to use it. Uh, <laughs> but I still haven't figured out how to cancel that. So, you know, they, <laughs> that's what, that's the plan, I guess. What do you think of this uh, from a TCU perspective, I mean, it was exciting the other day. You add the border schools. Hilarious to see Colorado turn back around 13 years later and come back. It's kind of like, well, Texas is gone. It's safe to come back. I feel like we should bring Missouri, Nebraska, just reach out to everybody. Hey, guys, they're gone. You can come back. You can come back now. Um, or do you find this growing conference a little unwieldy? Do you get excited about it? Are you kind of excited now about maybe thinking about trips to Tucson or Tempe uh, or Boulder? I mean, like, where where are you when this thing, you know, finally came to fruition? Um, was it was it mostly excitement about the fact that the Big 12 is growing? For me, yes, because I am of the opinion that it was likely that in the long term, only the Big 12 or the Pac-12 would have been left standing. So just selfishly as a TCU fan and a fan of college football in Texas, I'm glad that this is the conference that stayed together instead of splintering the different parts of the country. Um, if I was a Pac-12 fan, I'd be furious. You know, you're not only are they leaving, but they're all going different places. So they won't even necessarily be playing each other as much if at all. So at least we still have that here with the exception of Texas, Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Um, and I think, you know, it's a good thing to add some of these programs. The Arizona schools haven't been a big factor in football in recent years, but they can, I mean, they're in a part of the country where you would think you can get back there, uh, especially if a lot of their uh, counterparts on the West coast are playing half their conference games on the East coast. So, I like the addition of Utah. Um, you know, when TCU was in the Mountain West, the games against BYU and Utah were always electric. Granted, at the time I was in school, it was around the time the Andy Dalton era. So all three of those schools were really good uh, in that time frame. But I think it's good for the conference. You know, they're putting themselves in a position to be one of the last ones standing, I think. The ACC is is an interesting one uh, because it's so top heavy, but you know, I think they're certainly in the conversation to be one of the, if it does end up with three super conferences, I think the big 12 has positioned itself very well. Are your Mustang buddies, SMU still kind of in mourning about the PAC 12 possibility going (laughs) away or have they rallied? I mean, they basically said, Hey, we'll pay our way in. If you guys will let us in the ACC, you don't have to give us any TV money. We'll just pay our own money for a few years. Um, do you think the Mustangs land anywhere, or will they just have to remain in the AAC? I, I, don't, I think they probably stay where they are in the short term. I don't know that there is a logical landing spot for them. But, you know, two Fridays ago showed us 
or no, that was last Friday. Last a week ago today showed us that uh, the landing spot doesn't have to be logical. It can just be uh, out of necessity, out of desperation to find a home. So I would think they stay in the AAC for now, but I am certainly not going to – I would not um, put anything on that. Do you see them going anywhere? Hmm. I, I, when you have money and you can bring some dollars to the table, sometimes people will let you in. But I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't see it right now. I don't see it happening. Pac-12 was going to be a great landing spot for them, and that Klievkov just messed everybody around. You know, he misled everybody, and and he, that's how you end up imploding a conference. So I don't think S. I think SMU would be wise to stay right where it is. But they smelled it. They smelled a Power Five conference, much like the Horn Frogs did in 2011 or 12 or whenever. Whenever we let you guys in the conference. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, TCU, long, historic members of the Big East. No, that few people remember. <laughs> The Big East. That's funny. I never even thought about that. Did what? How long they were going to do that? And then within like what six months or a year, things went the other way. And Chuck Ninas talked uh, talked to Loss and everybody into letting TCU and West Virginia into the conference. Yeah, it was, it was definitely just a matter of months. They never played a conference game in any sport in the Big East, but they were Big East members. That uh, there was a press conference. They announced it. There it was everything. You still, you think he should have taken Louisville and TCU instead of West Virginia? Now that the way it's all played out, what Louisville wanted in, and Louisville was great at the time. Louisville's kind of yeah, kind of meh right now, um, as my daughter or somebody would say. I I don't. I, or do you think West Virginia's turned out okay? I think West Virginia's been okay. I think at the time we were still worried about geography. Uh, and that would seems like forever ago, but Louisville, I guess, would have made a little more sense geographically. Um, but I don't think West Virginia has been a bad fit for the Big 12. It's maybe the hardest city to get to in the conference, but aside from that, I think culturally it fits with the Big 12. I think Louisville also would have fit culturally much more than, you know, if it was another Big East school further north. Um but, I mean, West Virginia football seems to have big-time aspirations. I mean, I know everybody does, but it, it feels like you could see uh, like Dana Holgerson winding up in the Big 12 again now. Or, uh, I don't know, I get Mike Gundy vibes there. I could, like, he would, be, he would fit at West Virginia to me. And that's still in this conference. It's, I don't know if this – thought line is making a lot of sense, but <laughs> no, I like culturally, it. culturally, I think West Virginia still fits in the big 12. The Arizona schools might be a bit of an outlier, but you know, I think Utah will be a good fit. And, you know, these are adding Utah and BYU. I really like those moves. So I, it'll be interesting to see where this all winds up. Cause I certainly don't think we're done with realignment. All right. Um, I'm, I'm looking at all the stories that you're having to, uh, cover also for KRLD the podcasts that you do there there are carjackings and all sorts of stuff going on in the Dallas area that I'm sure you're participating uh, 
in talking about. So we'll we'll monitor you there. But uh, Chris is fun, man. You you were uh, I knew you as a young lad there at TCU, working your way up. It's great to see you having success, and you know how much I love uh, your parents and your whole family. So I uh, really appreciate you being on with me. I appreciate that, and I thank you for all the uh, lunches and chats and everything along the way up to this point. We should do that again soon. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, this time you're paying, though. All right, it is uh, Chris, Chris Blake joining the Matt Mosley Show. Thank you, Chris. We'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Matt. Uh, and um, good stuff there. Chris uh, uh, is now pre- and, and uh, post-Rangers games and uh, works for KRLD in Dallas and does a nice job and has a very thoughtful on a lot of different issues there, talking about the Cowboys' realignment, all of that. Um, a lot of college stuff in the news, and some of it has to do with the breakup of 